0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Apparently with Astra. This is episode one. I'm your host, Astra, and I am so happy and excited to be here. Um, This show is going to be focused on parenting and pregnancy. And this is a podcast that I've been dreaming about since I was pregnant, really, because you may not know this, but you will quickly learned that I am probably one of the most neurotic people on the planet, and when you combine those neuroses with pregnancy, well, everything just kind of implodes. I thought everything was going to go wrong. I kept going on Google, getting questions to see if what I was doing was okay, and eventually... He popped out fine, my little baby Ethan, but I know that there are lots of moms out there with questions and they want a safe space where they can share their experiences and this is how Apparently With Astra was born. Now I know what you're wondering. Why this name, Apparently With Astra? What does that even mean? Well, I've got a guest here with me. Her name is Dr. Tracy Archer, OBGYN. Actually, my is it former now can i still no. come keep coming keep coming I can, come. <laughs> I can come by uh my OBGYN dr tracy archer is here with us today yay thank you how are you doing today i'm great thanks would you like to know why the name of the show is yeah. called apparently with astra okay <laughs> dr archer when does a joke become a dad joke i don't know when it's apparent. Okay. Get it? I got it. Because it's apparent. Got <laughs> <laughs> it. got it. So I thought to myself, wow, really good joke with the word apparent. <laughs> it's got the word parent in it. Apparently with Astra. Welcome to episode one. All right, so let's I'm glad to be here. You I'm are currently with us. Listen, Astra. this is my first episode. You I, I couldn't think of anyone else for the first episode. I needed to get a guest, and thankfully you could make it to tell us a little bit about yourself and of course answer some questions that a lot of new and expecting moms have. Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about you, Dr. Archer. Now, I feel like I know you at this point. I mean, I've been seeing you for the past year and some. Um, but for those of you who don't know Dr. Archer, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: OK, I'm a OBGYN for the last, I say, more than 10 years. I went to Cumbermare School. Right.
0: We'll just <laughs> fast forward past that. Carry on.
1: And then did my medical degree at University <laughs> West Indies
0: before I went <laughs> off to UK
1: to do my postgrad in UBS and um, So I was there for about five, six years, and then I returned in 2009, initially working in a hospital, and then I left to my prior practice from about 2010, I think.
0: Wow. So did you always know that you wanted to be an OBGYN or was it something that when you started probably in your teenage years, you thought to myself, Man, I really want to be a doctor. I didn't remember I don't remember. I remember
1: wanting to do engineering. The next thing I knew was on medical school. Wait, pause.
0: <laughs> that is a massive difference. Yeah. How do you nobody trips and falls into medical I school? Don't Am know. I wrong? What and
1: I, I and I never tell this story because I always hear people say things like, "Oh, I always knew I wanted to help people," and I don't remember that like light bulb moment. All of those cliche but, things yeah. that they say. I just remember when I when I went into sixth form, I did not do biology because I was like, Mm-mm, "I'm not doing anything with biology. You weren't even
0: interested in biology, and not. that's like the easiest of all the sciences.
1: And, and I wanted to do physics and math. That's all I knew. I Wanted to do, so I was right set on bit the, of a an high engineer. achiever. And somewhere inside of there, it switched off to medicine. Somebody lured you with a thermometer. <laughs> maybe my mother's going to somebody's my, my mother because she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. And she was actually a midwife. So everybody asked me, "Is it because of your mother?" I was like, "No. Oh, I don't remember." Or maybe it was just I, subliminal messaging she was I doing. I wonder because
0: <laughs> now I'm imagining your mom crawling into your bedroom at night as you sleep, and she like just says over and over want to be a doctor you want to be an obstetrician gynecologist (laughs) this is your path you wake up one day and you're like you know what I think I want to be an OBGYN
1: and it wasn't wasn't even OBGYN it wasn't no it was when I actually graduated from medical school Mm -hmm. my first love I think was pediatrics I think Right. I, it was not ONG for sure. It was either <laughs> pediatrics or surgery, but anyway. Right. I did my internship in pediatrics in Jamaica. And I keep hearing babies cry in night in my sleep. And I thought, mm, I can't do this every day. So and then, and then I so I did pediatrics in my first rotation when I was an intern. And then my second one was opposite and then I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it.
0: So what you're trying to say is that you're okay with... The process of giving birth to the baby, but once they start crying, that's it. you're over it. I'm so you move there. from pediatrics <laughs> over
1: to... to... there. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, you
0: know what? You stay true to yourself, and you're really good at what you do. Thank you. I mean, do you have any free time to pick up engineering on the side, or is that fully... <laughs> my,
1: my sister is an engineer. Ah. Yeah, yeah, My sister is an engineer. She breaks up.
0: Do you have a bit of sibling rival- rivalry? Like, I should have been an engineer. She, no.
1: Oh, uh, and she's glad she didn't do medicine, so both of us are <laughs> the same thing, yeah. Wonderful. I'm sure she sleeps more at night than I do, so. Probably. Yeah. You probably
0: get all those calls in the middle of the night, like, <laughs> I think this is happening.
1: Baby to seems to want to come back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, you look very fresh-faced today, and. I had a good night's
1: sleep last night, yeah.
0: Good. I am really, really hoping that these questions aren't too delving too deep and keeps you up at night tonight. So I have this entire little list here called Ask Dr. Archer okay. and it's going to be interspersed with my birth story okay. as well as questions that I have gotten from my social media. And by the way, uh, you can follow us on social media. We are at BSocial Podcasts. And you can also follow me at radio.astra. And Dr. Archer does not have a social media because she hates the internet. With that being said. (laughs) For now. (laughs) Now, when I first found out I was pregnant, it was in early January of 2019. I had taken about eight pregnancy tests and they were all negative. And I thought to myself, but my period isn't coming. And I feel like I feel a little bit weird. And I kept having these odd dreams. And I kept taking this pregnancy test day after day after day. And it kept coming up negative. Now, partially, it might have been because I bought the cheapest pregnancy test on the market. <laughs> but regardless, I feel like if you're pregnant, you're pregnant. It shouldn't matter it should, the price of the pregnancy definitely, test, definitely. right? So eventually, I, bought, I, I kicked up and I bought the one for $17 instead of 8 And they finally said that I was pregnant. So the moral of the story is... Just, you're either going to pay on the front end or the back end, right? So my first question is for those who think they are pregnant Mm -hmm. and they keep getting negative pregnancy tests, would they go to a general practitioner or would they come to you, an OBGYN, to to figure out? Because if you feel like, listen, my period isn't coming anymore, it's been a couple of weeks the test is showing up as negative. Mm -hmm. What would be the process? What's the next step? Well, the best time to do a pregnancy test
1: is actually your first urine of the morning because it's more concentrated then Mm -hmm. instead of a dilute urine. So that's usually why I said just do an early pregnancy test first. Mm -hmm. If that's negative, you can probably still see your GP as well um, because we have the option of doing a blood test to confirm do the the pregnancy hormone we can actually measure it in the blood to actually confirm whether you are or not but the first thing at home instead of creating anxiety just do an early morning urine pregnancy test
0: yes Mm -hmm. that's probably where i i was more of a (laughs) mid-afternoon gal um so when i finally found out that i was pregnant yay i called my sister before i even told my husband and she was like oh my gosh you need to go and get prenatal vitamins And she said to me, you know, Astra, you should have been on prenatal vitamins all the time if you were trying for a baby. I mean, you don't even know what's going to happen now because you weren't on prenatal vitamins three months ago when you were trying for the baby. So where was she before this, with all this knowledge? I don't (laughs) know, Dr. Archer, but my (laughs) question is this. Ideally, you are supposed to start your prenatal vitamins three months before. Folic acid. Folic acid. Just
1: folic acid. Don't need the whole thing. So folic acid, ideally, should start three months before and continued for the first twelve weeks of pregnancy. Yeah. So the role of the folic acid really is to prevent any neural tube defects. So basically, the d- defects of the brain and spine. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but. Over time, we've done quite well in fortifying food with folic acid. So if you look at some sometimes you look at your salt, it has in folate acid. You look at your flour, it has in folate acid. Right. Because it's not an easy, you know, you don't get a whole lot of it in your diet. So that's why we have, um, we've done that. Fortifying food with folic acid, we've done probably a few decades ago. So you have less tube defects, but we still say, Mm-hmm. You know, ideally you should start. Once you've known that you're starting to try it, you should start your folate acid.
0: But for those who four hundred micrograms, which is the you know, minimum, which is the minimum. Okay. Some people can you do higher? A m-
1: you can, and some people require higher. Usually, we be told who require higher. They got some people who are folate deficient. Yes. For some reason, if you had a baby before with a neurotube defects, um, if you're on certain medications that that metabolizes folate that break it down quickly, then you will need to replace that.
0: Oh.
1: And. And some women who are, who are very overweight as well require a higher dose. Mm. So most people require the four hundred micrograms. Can you take too much folic acid? Not more than this Not more than comes in a okay. simulation.
0: What about for those women who just like? The, all of the vitamins at the back of the prenatal vitamin list, and they're like, you know what? I don't even want to get pregnant, but let me tell you, this thing has in the folic acid, the vitamin E, the A, the C, the D, and all of the other nutrients. Let me just take it as a daily supplement.
1: And you're not trying to get pregnant?
0: And you're not trying to get pregnant. You just want to take that as a supplement. Yeah, that's
1: fine, because non-pregnancy supplements contain more or less, maybe a variation in dose, hmm Get them, you can get them in other vitamins as well. Okay,
0: yeah. interesting. Now, if you find out you're pregnant, mm-hmm. I really thought that immediately I would be heading straight to the doctor, Miss Thing. I was like, okay, I am pregnant. I told my mom, I told my dad, let's go to the doctor. Let's start the checkups. I called Dr. Archer's office, and I was told very succinctly that I would not be seen until my eighth, minimum, eighth week of pregnancy. Yes. Why is that?
1: Well, some people need to be seen before. Most people don't. Um, the ones we need before are people who come into pregnancy with a, with an existing dis- disease, mm-hmm. pressure, diabetes, high, epilepsy, on a medication that we may need to adjust, that need to be pregnancy safe. So if we've not had the consultation with them, pre- so Prior to pregnancy. So ideally, we, we would like to see these women prior to pregnancy. Yes. So we can modify. So once you decide you want to get pregnant and you have hyperpressure, diabetes, epilepsy.
0: Kind of lupus, like pre-existing conditions. Pre-existing conditions, yeah.
1: Then you should see a gynecologist mm-hmm. before. So you can do your pre-pregnancy planning, change the medication that needs to be changed to pregnancy-safe medication. Ah. That's what we need to see there and earlier. right? Okay. So typically we leave visits until around eight weeks because we can do a scan and see something then. A little dot. If I come out five weeks, it's guaranteed guarantee I wouldn't see anything. And <laughs> it would just increase your anxiety. So I know for sure by eight weeks I can scan to sure that there is a baby there. Mm-hmm. Baby's heart rate is fine. I may be able to tell. Maybe it would tell us more than one. That's usually done a little later, but maybe it could tell if it's more than one. Make sure he's in the right place. So those things I can see for sure mm-hmm. if you are baby, If I you come up five and six, I don't see, it just increases anxiety. Then I say you gotta come
0: back and then you go home and you get worried. What's wrong with anxiety? There's nothing wrong with anxiety <laughs> when you're pregnant. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Doctor Archer? So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I understand the eight week and I do remember my eight week scan with you and seeing the teeny tiny little dot. And I think you could s- see the heart beat, mm-hmm. um, yep. even though you can't see much going on or right. with the head or the legs and all of that. You could see the little heartbeat fluttering. And I saw that on Valentine's Day of February 14th, which was very, very sweet for me. That was actually the day that we announced more to our close family and friends. Because mm-hmm. that first eight weeks, like you said, not being able to see anything on the scan, you don't want to get everyone excited. And then mm-hmm. you know something bad happens, and you don't get to celebrate. And everybody's like, what happened? So you don't want to have that that conversation. A lot of people don't want to have that conversation. Um, but I do remember the eight-week scan. And it was the uh, first time in a long time I had to pee in a cup for non-legal reasons. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But you do have to pee in the cup. You have to get your weight taken. You have to get your blood pressure taken. And this is something that you're going to be doing every time you go to the doctor. First, why do we have to do the urine sample? What are we right. giving it over so for? So that
1: first one, um, we tried to send it to a lab mm-hmm. to look for any infections. Because mm-hmm. it's something called asymptomatic bacteria. So right. mainly you have an infection that you don't know. hmm which increases the risk of um, kidney infections. So in pregnancy, increases the risk of kidney infection, miscarriage, preterm delivery. So we want to identify that early right. now so we can treat and reduce the risk of those complications. After 20, we still do it all along. so We can pick up other things. Oh, like I remember. Urine infections and
0: so Yes.
1: But from 20 weeks, we combine the urine with the blood pressure to detect preeclampsia.
0: What is is preeclampsia?
1: Elevated blood pressure Mm -hmm. and significant protein in the urine. So, which is a disease that only happens in pregnancy, Mm -hmm. all right? Um, So, because of the changes that happen to the placenta, Mm -hmm. some women, not all women, you know, there are some people who are more at risk, can have changes that happen in the blood vessels of the placenta. So, they're the mother as well. So, blood pressure goes up the kidneys get leakier, so they spill more protein in the urine. It's a mother itself. Mm-hmm. For the baby, it can result in reduced blood flow to the to the baby, so they might, the growth might be a little bit slower. Than oh wow! The
0: Are there yeah. symptoms that a um, mom, a pregnant mom, kind of has when they have preeclampsia before even going in for the official tests? Is there like
1: a headache or a severe preeclampsia? Not mild. Severe preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you can get. Headaches, flashing lights, blurred mm-hmm. vision, abdominal pain, generalized swelling. You know, every pregnant woman gets swelling in their legs. And you know, I was just about everyone, to say, based on those woman. symptoms,
0: from the headaches to the swelling yeah. uh, to fatigue and stuff like that, I mean, most, most pregnant mm-hmm. women.
1: To be Typically, will come in the early part, you don't usually get headaches all the way through. Mm-hmm. You can. But it's just a combination of all those factors along with the hyperpression and the protein. But I want to stress on the the, the, the swelling, the swelling, in, the, swelling of the legs in particular. It's very, 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 very
0: common in pregnancy. Right. I thought you were gonna say serious no, I like, because I was like, I was swollen. Every pregnant woman
1: tells me, you, have you know. But it's very common, <laughs> the reason why it's common is because the blood flow does not come your uterus, mm-hmm. block some of the blood flow back back up to your heart as quickly as easy as when you're not pregnant because there's a little obstruction. Mm-hmm. So any any part of your body that's hanging down, so mainly your legs, right, yes, right? you can get the the blood or the fluid leaking out of the blood vessels because it's not moving as easy okay. into tissues and so your legs will get swollen. So is it, so it like pooling?
0: Common. Is it pooling down there? Kind of, kind of. Wow, you yeah. see I'm not a doctor. I so you, you see up. when the blood pools in the legs <laughs> and then it gets swollen. It's not, it's
1: not really blood pooling, it's some fluid leaking out into the right. tissues. So if you keep your legs up, so let's say you're sitting for longer periods of time, you know, you just got a little poof or something, hour put your legs up. At home, you sit in the same thing, in the bed at night, mm-hmm. get some pillows.
0: So there's really nothing um, kind of like internally you can do to stop that, for example, like cutting salt out of your... No. Because it's all to do with the baby. It's all to do with the baby. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. So once you start putting your feet up and... The swelling should go down, or is it... Should go down. It so it most people find it? that
1: when they wake up in the morning, they're not, their feet are not swollen. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the day... This is this is normal pregnancy. We're not talking about preeclampsia, you know? Right. This is normal pregnancy. So once you find early in the morning, before you're up and about, your legs are normal size. Right. On your feet. And then usually by the end of the day is when you notice that your feet are swollen.
0: Mm. Shoes not fitting as well. Right. So ladies... Although I, I wore heels all throughout my yes, they clicking in the office announce your arrival yes, <laughs> that is the sound of joy and happiness of a new mother to absolutely. be click, absolutely click 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 uh, yeah and uh, you know I'm going to be talking about heels and other myths and misconceptions about pregnancy very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. But listen, there are so many tests that you have to take while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. It is mind-blowing how many tests. And the thing about Dr. Archer that I really love is that she doesn't really like let you know like too far in advance. So say it's the next, um, you're going to your next appointment, and they just say, okay, well, in the next appointment, you're going to have to go and get your Blood taken, or you're going to have to go and get the glucose test, one of my personal favorites. But the one that I really want to talk about, do you have an idea? Group B strep. <laughs> What's it called again? The group B strep one? Yes. Because yeah. in my mind, I was like, is it HEP or strep? I strep. can't remember. Group B streptococcus. Group yeah. B strep. You didn't give me a I. The thing is, I, very did, surprising did test. Do,
1: did you do the midwife visit?
0: I did do the and midwife visit, mid, and you got a booklet. I and did that get booklet booklet a booklet.
1: Details everything we were going to do for the rest of the pregnancy. You
0: expect me so to we, read during my pregnancy, Doctor Archer? <laughs> I have so I many have things to, put it on to do. Google. Okay, I got to put my feet up. All right. And I got. I got to take Google. a nap. I got to <laughs> Google. And now you want me to read. I do remember the little yellow booklet. I still have it at the house. So let's talk about that test specifically. Because I think most people have an idea of why you do the glucose test Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that you're metabolizing sugar properly and you're going to have to drink basically what is dehydrated Fanta um, and let it sit for 30 minutes and they're going to test your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. But my question is, why did they have to sit me up on a table, take a Q-tip and do you know what to you know where, you can use your medical terms if you'd like. What? Just describe
1: it so for us. So, group B streptococcus is a, vi- a, bacterium a mm-hmm. bacteria that we consider to be. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, it can live in your vagina normally. Okay. Commensal, that's a word, commensal, medical word. Um, so, basically, in your vagina, there are bacteria, there's no sterile vaginas. No. They are, but the bacteria and they're there for a particular reason to maintain your normal environment. Right. So group B strep is safe for you normally. If we found it, if I was to do a swab on you now when you're not pregnant, I find it. Mm-hmm. It's just normally part of you. wouldn't okay, cause so you an infection. Right. It's just a commensal bacteria that's there that lives there and helps with your normal okay vaginal health. But in pregnancy, not in pregnancy, during delivery, mm-hmm. if it's in your vagina, there is a possibility. Um, I can't remember the exact percentage now, but there is a possibility when the baby's passing through the vaginal canal, and they take a breath, they can inhale the bacteria.
0: So oh, it's wow. one of the more
1: common causes of neonatal sepsis, so infection after birth. So we try to prevent that, and which can mean baby could be admitted to NICU or require oh, antibiotics. Wow. And can So we try to reduce our risk of transmission by testing to see who carries group-based strep bacteria. This test is done somewhere between 35 and 37 weeks pregnant. So get ready,
0: ladies. And it's a swab.
1: Typically, it's a combination. So there are two ways you can do two two methods. You have a combination of lower vaginal and rectal,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: all right, which is a bit more sensitive, or you can do only lower vaginal.
0: Mm. I still can't so remember which one happened to me because I, do, I blacked I out. I both. Okay, you did both. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just a blur, honestly, so at once, this point. So if that's negative, it's mm-hmm. fine.
0: But if, if it's, it's positive,
1: positive, we only treat during labor.
0: And how does one treat it? Antibiotics in labor. Mm-hmm. Is it just you take a... take so a, no is IV. Okay. Yeah,
1: so you just repeat those. The, the recommendation if you're not allergic to penicillin, mm-hmm. the type of penicillin we give, and it's every four hours, four hours until delivery.
0: Mm. All right. So, like we said, there's a lot of tests. So, stay tuned for that. And for the moms who have already been through it, tell your friends do you know how many friends that I have had that have had babies, and not one of them? Not one Dr. Archer mentioned this, and uh, somebody online actually said, You know, if we knew how many tests that it would take to have a baby, half of us wouldn't even have them.
1: You still will, I'm sure you, you still, you still.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, Dr. Archer knew and she had a baby who's cool. now a 16. Beautiful young lady. Mm. Shout outs to her. Yes. Do we do podcast shout outs like the radio? Going to that school. (laughs) (laughs) The school that shall not be named. Because it doesn't need to be, because everybody knows it. (laughs) So, Dr. Archer, eventually you're going to get to that point because, you know, it's time to have the baby. And sometimes the baby comes on time. Sometimes the baby comes a little bit early. And sometimes the baby just refuses to knock, knock, knock on heaven's door and come out into the world, which is what happened to me. I was 41 weeks pregnant. I basically looked like a beluga whale. I rolled out of bed every morning, and I would look down at my belly and say, why don't you just <laughs> come out already? So there's only a certain limit to the time that a baby should stay in mommy's womb, right? I mean, you you can't go for as long. If you know, everybody says, "Oh, well, they're comfortable in there." Let the baby when the baby's ready to come, the baby will come. But sometimes the baby just doesn't seem to get it together and yeah. get ready to come out. What what's the long? What's the limit? Would you say what's the cutoff point for most moms?
1: Well, truly, there's no hard and fast limit as like. Has to, as mm-hmm. mother has, n- have no choice. But what we do tell you is that after, so in the map of thirty-eight weeks, the placental function starts to reduce. After forty-two, it significantly reduces, mm-hmm. uh, and significant after forty-two.
0: And by and, and what does that mean for the baby when it reduces?
1: So that means the baby is not getting as much nutrients as it was getting mm. prior. So the supply to the baby actually reduces, mm. which then can compromise well the growth, development, heart function. So the recommendation usually is delivery before forty two. Mm-hmm. And most people would say somewhere between 40 and 42. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I went in at 41. Yeah.
0: Yes, because you asked me, you said, well, it's 41 weeks. Do you want to take the weekend? Because it was Thursday. You're like, we could take the weekend. You could see if he, you know, you could eat some spicy food, you could have some sex, eat some more spicy food, probably have the sex before the spicy food. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe baby will show up. He didn't, <laughs> and I wasn't ready to wait any longer, so I yeah. said, let's go in and induce the following day. Um, besides spicy food and sex, are there any other hard fast? would you say, like suggestions to kind of get things going on the anecdotal side to induce pregnancy? Yeah,
1: but a lot of them don't have any strong evidence. The strongest one is probably, so not just sex, but it's ejaculate, mm. because it's a prostaglandin, so they... Prostagandum will help soften the cervix. Mm-hmm. So it's the prostagandum itself that helps to
0: oh. soften the
1: cervix. Okay, well, don't tell yeah. the guys
0: that. Put in the work first. I mean, come on. Am I right? I think every guy's like, what? All right, so um, somebody also mentioned vigorous walking might help, a, a nice hike. Mm. You yeah, don't. You can. Anything can. Yeah.
1: Anything, but there's not a lot of.
0: Okay, so you know what? Let's talk a little bit about heading in to the hospital. Mm. You finally figured out it's happening, baby is coming. Um, they call you, and I say, Pretend that I'm one of those moms right now. Ring, ring, ring. It's 3 a.m., so answer the phone how you would answer Hi, good morning. Oh, hi, Why Dr. Archer. No, you wouldn't. Why would you say, <laughs> What is it? like, hi. <laughs> and I would say, Hi, Dr. Archer. I know it's really early in the morning, but I'm pretty sure little Jacob is coming. Maybe um, he's not named Jacob, but I'm not me. So <laughs> little Jacob is coming. Um, but I'm not sure. I feel like he's coming, though. W- w- can you tell so me if.
1: Before three o'clock in the morning, while you were still pregnant a few weeks ago, we would have discussed <laughs> what to look
0: for. And what would that not be? Three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I'm going to pretend like I am one of your uh, patients Mm -hmm. calling in because I'm pretty sure that I'm having my baby, okay? Ring, ring, ring. It's 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. Hi, Dr. Archer. Hi, Dr. Archer. Oh, I'm so sorry to call you so early in the morning, but I'm pretty sure that my baby is coming. I just felt something a little wet between my legs. 38% sure it's not pee. (laughs) So... Can you help me? What, what do I do? Go to the hospital. Go to the hospital. Are you coming? <laughs> yeah.
1: You're so gonna before before Will <laughs> you meet me there? I'll meet you there. But what happens when we tell you go to go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. So well ideally in the weeks leading up to whether you do talk with us or you do people call them the mass class, we just call them birthing classes. You might right. do a birth class with a nurse or a physiotherapist or whatever. So you get an idea of what labor is. Like. I mean, nobody can prepare you. You know, people always think they know. They don't think they will never know when it's there. You know, yeah. You know when you are actually going into labor. You cannot go in when you're in labor. Those contractions come. Is it doesn't disguise itself as anything else. It is what it is. You know, so I we think have the, that discussion.
0: The biggest issue, honestly, I feel like with the whole concept of labor is what is seen on TV. And yeah. all media platforms, really, yeah. about what m- labor looks like. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those people who fell into the trope of this is what labor is going to be like. Mine was nothing like that. <laughs> and I don't think probably 90% of the women have a labor yeah. like they do on TV where the water breaks. That's the first sign. Yeah. The water breaks. Everybody goes, <gasps> And then they get rushed into a rush cab, into a, go to the hospital, and then 30 minutes, she starts screaming. It's three pushes, and the baby is out. Yeah. yeah. Regular labor. Let's talk about a more <laughs> traditional labor compared to the one that you see on TV. It starts off with probably mild to moderate contractions, and irregular. And irregular. Um,
1: so they vary in time, and they vary in intensity as well. Most people will start out like that. They will we go abruptly into it, but most people. Start off with irregular, mm-hmm. painful, and you see pain is so subjective. Because huh? you get somebody who will say, "I'm having the worst pain in
0: my life." Me, and people is me, <laughs>
1: and and they so that not, you know they're not in proper labor mm-hmm. yet." Well, I would get somebody who said, "Yeah, they contraind," yeah, yeah. and when you examine them, they're almost ready. Wow! So pain is is, is very subjective. So we tend to go with things like frequency how long they last mm-hmm. and that gives you a better idea of 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 your contractions so if we say if you start coming closer together we use using a cutoff of every lasting for five minutes No, not sorry every five minutes are lasting five minutes that I would be horrible minutes. could you imagine <laughs> if a sure. contraction
0: lasted five minutes yes
1: so it every five minutes lasting for 60 six seconds or more and going on for like an hour, so we know for sure there's no, there's no going back now, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what we define. Shove the baby back the in there. He's coming. To come, to come to the hospital. Because some of them will come in every 20 minutes. and come every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You, know, and you still have that phase, what we call latent phase. So we don't define labor now So until you get to like about four centimeters. So especially in women who have their first baby, going from zero to four can take a while can take hours, can take days. Wow. It may not be that days and that they're getting tightspin all those days, but just erratic, sporadic, irregular contractions that can happen. And the best place for that to happen is at home.
0: Now, you see, that never happens on TV. You know. Days of contractions, and and for a lot of people, they get their contractions before their water breaks. Yeah, right. most people. Right, so most on TV, water, the water breaking is usually the first sign that a baby is coming. Yeah. I mean, they could be doing anything. They could yeah. be playing volleyball. They could be at a dinner party. and
1: It's always somewhere embarrassing.
0: It's always somewhere embarrassing. Yeah. You see, yeah. I, was, I, I felt like less of a woman because, you know, mine started in the hospital because you induced me. <laughs> that does not make a good sitcom. Number two. Number two, Number two yeah. will be better? Yeah. All right, Scott, you heard the woman. Get to it. Uh, so like we were saying so the contractions and then the water breaking and then you kind of monitor the
1: water breaking could happen on its own or or you may have to break it for you so it depends So like an induction i know you're ready with this one i know for induction the part of induction is breaking your water and Stimulating a contraction and initiating contraction. Okay,
0: pause. Did you notice she said the word stimulating and massaging and all of these super positive words that makes it seem like, oh my gosh, am I having a baby or going to a spa? Well, let me tell you something. You are having a baby. And Dr. Archer is going to make sure that you know it, especially if she has to induce you. (laughs) Now, I never even thought of the actual manual breaking of water. I didn't even know that was something that was possible, mm-hmm. but it is. Can you walk us through that, miss Massage, and stimulate? Carry on. <laughs> so
1: it's like a vaginal examination. Mm-hmm. So once the cervix is dilated, we can
0: get past
1: the cervix to the membranes, that bag of water, that bag that holds out the water in
0: the baby, right? Right. So... How does one get past it? With what? Your fingers. Right. Yeah.
1: So we are using your fingers to go through the cervix to feel the membranes. once you can feel it, and we are sure the baby's head is there and down, mm-hmm. then we can use a hook to just hook on the membrane uh, itself. Hook. So you don't feel the hook, because the hook is like a very narrow, like what's, what's we can use analogy? I don't know. But you don't actually feel the hook, because the hook is way smaller than my fingers. Okay.
0: Right. Well, so let I me tell you, when, when right? that water broke, I felt it. I felt, I felt the water Gush. breaking and gushing, right. and mm-hmm. I thought to myself, oh, gosh, they're going to need to buy new sheets for the hospital. What is going on? So when that happened, does that aid in the contraction starting to right. so, speed up a little bit?
1: Yes. So th- breaking new water along with giving you drug oxytocin mm-hmm. the combination – it's what starts the contraction and continues the contractions, right? So either one by itself, induction, doesn't work as well, the two together. They augment each other. So for induction, you need to have your water broken.
0: Well, now that we've talked about all the pain that comes along with the baby, let's talk about pain control, which yeah. I was a big fan of at the hospital. Thank you so much. I decided to go with an epidural which I guess is probably, like, the, the most extreme you can go to when it comes to pain control. Mm-hmm. Are there any other pain control options for moms? Yes. So we have the, you
1: know, I don't like to use the word natural, mm-hmm. but we have the non-medical, op- the non-medication options. Okay. So things that help are just having somebody there with you, mm-hmm. having that person there with you, whoever you want, whether it's your partner, your mother, uh, doula, somebody there that's there with you. So partners are great. Um, but sometimes you need that person who can motivate you. Cause sometimes partners feel, oh my god, she's in so much pain. This is not working for her. Please help her. She's gonna die. I'm gonna die watching <laughs> her. And you know, you want that person with you, you want to have that birthing experience. But sometimes somebody else that's also there, who've been through it, who can talk you through it and say, mm-mm. This is normal. Stop it! Stop screaming! Right, you've been fine. That's
0: you're that. Going to be that fine. was Doctor Archer for me because <laughs> I, I, I literally had a hysterical breakdown at the point of him coming out. Mm. I had a hysterical breakdown, and you're you kind of set me on the path. Like, okay, we gotta focus. This is happening. Let's do this. Yeah, and we did it. He's yeah. here. Yeah. But I have to ask you, what is the craziest thing that you've seen? Have, has anybody ever like say passed out because they saw their loved one in the bed giving birth? You know, like in the sitcoms, somebody do passes you, out do you or remember
1: when you were admitted to the hospital. I, I, I'm not supposed to say hospital, right? When you were admitted to the hospital, mm-hmm. did they ask you to write to, did you? Did they ask Scott to do a form? Ask Scott about that all. form. There is a form that some people ask you to say, should you pass out? Just remember we need to look after Astra and baby first and then tend to you. Basically that's paraphrasing it. Basically yes. we don't care. Uh, no, we don't care. We'll do them first. We care and very then little bit. We'll come to you. <laughs> so you sure you want to do this? If you sure just sign this form. That is hilarious.
0: Yeah. I yeah, mean one of those forms
1: there. But yes, it's not right often because mm-hmm. and there are some people who know they can't handle it. So they will stay behind the curtain. They
0: because there's the blood sometimes. Yeah. There's fluids. Yeah. There's yeah. all kinds and of things that are happening.
1: So they tend to stay, or they back the whole process and mm-hmm. wait till afterwards. So maybe we've had a, not that often, one or two, or one that fell. I felt. And I don't know if I actually held somebody that actually landed on the ground. <laughs> but you will get somebody said, "I'm not feeling well," and, and, you, and just you just kind of just stumble yeah, out the door and, and carry on. And, and then yeah, we just carry on.
0: Listen, uh, the up. last thing we need is somebody on the floor taking your attention, attention, attention. Yeah. when. Baby is coming, and mom's trying to give birth. Yeah, yeah. So I totally get that they would have to sign a form. I have to ask God about that form. I want to frame it. <laughs> for, uh, yeah,
1: it's probably in your notes uh, at <laughs> not the hospital still. But in terms of the other pain care, I want to talk about this a little bit. Sure. Because um, you can help prepare yourself for labor unless you've been through it before. So I like people to have an open mind about, you know. So so having somebody with you is good. Walking around is thought to help as well. Um they have things like acupuncture, massage. There's the
0: little bouncy ball. The bouncy ball that right. you can
1: go on. So it's usually just an exercise ball that you get. Yeah. You that you can and then there's something called transcutaneous electrical nerve. Transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, tens, which are shorten as tens. I probably don't have a lot of it here, but it's just a small little, it's a small size of a a big cell phone, biggest cell phone. What does it do? And so you attach some electrodes onto your joint labor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whenever you get the contraction, you just press the button. Press the button it sends an electrical impulse because it's going on the on the theory that it's called the gated theory of pain, which means that only one pain sensation can get through the gate at the same time. So the whole oh. promise is that electrical nerve stimulation is going to go through that pain gate as opposed to the contraction pain. So you only feel that. That's injury. interesting. So it works better in the earlier part of labor before that intense pain comes. Yeah, so before the smackdown begins. Yeah, so that I like, at home and so, so you just press it when you...
0: You know, I always said that if I had the little button for the epidural... I would have drained your reserves at the out. hospital. It has a lockout feature. Because I would be <laughs> just pressing it, getting my epidural goodness. So because of that, we have a lockout
1: feature <laughs> on it. And then you should
0: call it the Astra, Astra lockout feature. Just name it after yeah. me. <laughs>
1: and then the common things that most people hear about is pethidine. Pethidine is a narcotic analgesia. Um, so it's an injectable. It a lot. Injectable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Give it in a muscle. Most people will get hurt in the bottom muscle, okay. your muscle. So, it's used during t- it's the most common thing we use here during labor. Hmm. You give it every four to six hours. Said if I is that, you just get drowsy though. Get really drowsy. I, mean, I like sleep.
0: Close. Can you don't sleep during labor? I guess not. Yeah, I mean, that's epidural, like people who have epidurals go sleep. I did not. See, it's because I was pressing and it wasn't coming out fast enough. But um, speaking of the guests in the room, I know that now we are in pre-COVID times. The pandemic has happened. And I was wondering, what is it like at the hospital now? Can guests still, can 21. you still have a loved one in one the room? Person. One person. in the room. Um, what about?
1: So let me just talk about, so the caveat here is that I'm not sure what's going on, what happens at a public hospital right now. Mm-hmm. I think one guest still allowed. Mm-hmm. Well, but you can speak you for the hospitals for that the you other are ones, right. attending at. Yeah,
0: so one one person can come. One person can come in. Mm-hmm. And Whoever uh, you choose come. what about the baby as well? I mean, has anything changed as it pertains to handling of the baby? Or just, just so wash your hands when you hand your baby. Wash <laughs> yes. the hands. And and they
1: still gung up and mask up in your room and so you know, everybody oh, mean, on. Everybody has on their...
0: You guys were prepared. I mean, when I think about it, doctors with the masks, the gloves, the constant hand washing. Well, we don't wear them eight hours a day, right? No. Yeah, that's the, that's the issue. <laughs> Wherever we need it, no,
1: eight hours a day. So now you're forced to wear it you all know, during the day.
0: I never got a chance to ask you about the moment that little Ethan was coming. And as you could see the little hair in the canal. Mm-hmm. And I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I just couldn't. Get Ethan out. Mm-hmm. So you said to yourself, okay, grab me that plunger over there. I'm going to stick it onto his head. I'm going to pull him out. That's the non-medical way. Could you could you tell me what was it that you did? Because it was kind of a suction right. vacuum. So
1: there, if you can achieve spontaneous, you pushing by yourself. Um, we have certain criteria that we decide when we can help you out. Vaginally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's yeah the point of no return. There's no scissor section there now. <laughs> um, so if the labor is taking too long, they, they push in the whole. That's what we call second stage. So second stage is from when you recognize you're fully dilated, it's 10 centimeters. That's when you start to push. Till the baby coming out, that's second stage. right? So if that goes too long, then. One indications that we can do to help you once you agree,
0: mm-hmm. if the
1: baby's heartbeat is abnormal during that time, because mm-hmm. maybe not be getting enough oxygen, you know, we have to speed up delivery so that the baby can be fine. So there are two instruments you can use: either a vacuum. So basically, you just apply a little cup onto your baby's head; it creates a little suction, so that when you're pushing, we are actually helping as well, we're guiding
0: the baby up, like yeah. a little
1: traction on.
0: Yeah, because I that felt like I was still kind of like helping, you know. Yeah. 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 So. He and then came, force it
1: to the other one,
0: which we did not use. No, okay. No, we don't use fries, so yeah. when little Ethan came out and his head had a little <laughs> suction shaped <laughs> dome to it, yeah, which which it went away, which it's went clean. away. It did. He, <laughs> he does not look like that now, which is um, fantastic. Um, but the I, I guess it was the hormones or the pheromone. I don't know what was going through me, but I had ripped a little bit my that area is it the parent, perineum mm-hmm. which is common as well sometimes mm-hmm. if you have a baby you sewed me up stitches and I didn't feel a thing that was probably, I, I had the epidural in. that epidural was running through yeah. me and Ethan was on my exactly. chest and we did the hour chest chest mm-hmm. um just the laying of him on my chest, which was very, very sweet. And, you know, he was there. One of the things that I wanted to ask you before we get to the Instagram questions mm-hmm. is I started having these shakes after I had the baby. Mm-hmm. And I felt like my body was just rattling like a, you know, like an ice tray. And I had never known about it. I'd never heard anybody talk about it. But then when I mentioned it online... Every mom m- was commenting underneath saying, oh my gosh, that happened to me too. Some, some people it lasted half an hour, some people an hour, some people a few hours. What is that? What is happening to us in that? Many endorphins, mm-hmm.
1: they, down from the high of, of having a baby, so endorphins, hormones. But some people, it's also the epidural, so mm-hmm. your inability to maintain your body temperature as well, so it could have been in it too. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. And then he showed up at 1:28 p.m. on Friday, September 27th, 2019, weighing 7 pounds, 0 ounces, and he was my little bundle of joy. And right now he is my very loud <laughs> bundle of joy. And with that being said, it's now time to head over to the IG questions. I are you ready? Right? ready on there? Oh wait. Okay. Are you ready to go? Those were your those only those were your Those are mine. <laughs> those I'm ready. <laughs> Keep calm and carry on. Isn't that what they say over at your school? I can't remember what is what is the uh, motto over there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not You're not I'm even. This. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, as one of the few accomplished members, could you let everyone know? What there a the lot th- of us. We just don't brag about it. Probably. <laughs> I guess that's an internal decision that they made. All right, let's talk about some questions that we got from IG and see if you can answer them. And the first question is, um, well, they wanted to know if bathing late at night can affect their unborn child. No, I don't
1: think so. Not not that I'm aware of.
0: No. There's been no. I think you should be able to, uh, showering is good, right? Showering is good. You know, I also heard that sometimes when you get pregnant, sometimes your scent can change. I guess. I guess that's a bit above her pay grade. Not necessarily a bad thing that
1: you have to shower more often.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um another question. Uh, they wanted to know if suction after a miscarriage can prevent a future pregnancy. Should suction after a miscarriage can that prevent Mm, you from getting pregnant again?
1: Suction is actually a safe method of um, evacuating the uterus. Well, yeah, section is actually a good a good method of evacuation uterus and it has not been found to have any long-term effect on future fertility.
0: Okay. Now there is also this common misconception, I've heard it from all the mothers, the grandmothers, the aunties, that bending over can cause the umbilical cord to wrap around the baby's neck and they can end up suffocating. In, or asphyxiating themselves in utero. Is that true? Because this was one of the questions. Uh, sh- they were told when they bend over, it can cause the cord to possibly wrap around the baby's neck.
1: No. Yeah, so we've heard that before quite mm-hmm. a bit. But no. Um, what we do is recommend if you have to get something that's lower than your, you have to lower your height, use your knees to bend because you want to avoid injury to your back. Mm. So it's not bending. Bending does not affect. the baby card or umbilical card um, moves.
0: That's good to know. I feel like, honestly, as soon as somebody finds out that you're pregnant or they see that you're pregnant, um, they tend to start giving you a lot of unwarranted advice, which is why I wanted you to come here so we could get some advice from somebody who actually knows and has seen hundreds of pregnancies uh, throughout their time. All right. What about things like weightlifting? I know sometimes... Or exercising. Mm -hmm. Um, You would think exercising is good for you, right? Um, Can you exercise during pregnancy? Is there a certain level that you should not, you know, go to when you're pregnant, high intensity versus low intensity?
1: So the recommendation for exercise in pregnancy is 30 minutes of moderate intensity, intensity, Mm -hmm. five days a week.
0: Five days a week? Mm -hmm. That's more than I do now. So
1: 45 days, yeah. So it, and it's actually the same recommendations when you're not pregnant. So the ones we ask you to avoid is any high-impact, so high-impact sports, mm-hmm.
0: you know. Football, well, American football, American football, wrestling.
1: Wrestling, yeah. Horseback riding, because of repetitive jerking action. Mm-hmm. I usually avoid avoid cycling in the roads in Barbados because there's just too many potholes. So cycling oh. is fine. If you can do it on a smooth road or if you've got a stationary bicycle, that's fine. The problem with weightlifting is that your joints become more um, flexible during pregnancy because mm. of the softening of ligaments by the hormones produced. So you just need to use weights under supervision because you don't want to
0: overextend in your,
1: in your joints. So right. Weight, weights can continue during pregnancy, but just under supervision.
0: Okay, that's good to know. And um, I also heard that if you've been you know, very active pre-pregnancy, with your exercising, um, just carry on, just, you know. absolutely.
1: So the the benefits of exercising in pregnancy, it um, avoids excess weight gain for both you and baby, reduces the risk of high blood pressure, reduces the risk of diabetes. People tend to have a better labor Mm -hmm. with exercising, so there are some good benefits, health benefits, exercising during pregnancy.
0: All right. Mm -hmm. And what do you recommend to those first few days postnatal? I mean, you just had the baby. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to want to exercise, or yeah, should it. you take a walk? Should you? Yeah, I think you should
1: vaginal. You know, she might find fine. That you're a little bit stiff, and to get out to bed is a little bit harder the first few days. Mm-hmm. But either way, I think you should walk. Um, even women who and women who had a vaginal delivery, she so can walk do some kegels you can start a kegel exercises I still
0: not exactly sure how to do a kegel just squeeze your vagina Should I yeah, do so it right now know, should right? I try You don't know right now, right I can try right now
1: yeah. <laughs> It's not that hard
0: Are you doing <laughs> it
1: all the time Excuse for a few minutes <laughs> I
0: Okay she's sending me home with homework tonight Absolutely. I'll get in there and try. Hmm. All right. I think that was yeah. a really good interview. Dr. Tracy Archer, OBGYN to the stars. By stars, I mean me. <laughs> uh, what did you think Your, my, my as my first guest? Uh, it was great. She was like,
1: whoa, is that time already? It's it an
0: quickly. hour. 2.59. I got 60 yeah. seconds to go.
1: It went well. It went quickly. It
0: was good. So would you... um me the question. <laughs> Would you recommend some of your, you know, potential patients to the show if they wanted to tell their birthing and baby stories?
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Great. Great. Would you come back for some more of those questions? stellar IG questions? Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. And we are gonna were be show
1: sure just on questions.
0: <laughs> we could do that. We could do a full hour. Would you like to do that? Questions. I will. You see, I'm not exactly sure if it's that <laughs> stellar Combremere sarcasm or if she is really being honest. You see, that's that dry wit, that deadpan humor that I just love from you. Here's a <laughs> Well, I got to say, I myself was very, very nervous doing the first episode, but you were the perfect first guest. And I feel like you know, we're going to have more episodes, we're going to have more information, we're going to have more guests coming through, and we want you to stay tuned. This is apparently with Astra, and this is the end of episode one, so stay tuned for episode two coming soon. Make sure to follow us at be Social Podcasts. Uh, we'll be streaming this show on Apple Music and on Spotify, and you can also find some visual components to it on our IG at B Social Podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can check me out at radio.astra on IG. And you can see the little screaming bundle of joy, baby Ethan, that I have at home. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.